Christians talk a lot about community, but there's people still inside the church feeling lonely. What are we doing wrong? Hello, hello, hello. We're just two normal guys trying to live this Jesus life. My name's Josh. Hey, hey, my name's Andrew, and we are This Jesus Life Podcast. Josh, how you doing, my man? Dude, I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to be talking to you again. Got to be honest, I don't have much of an update at all on the chickens, but, uh, but I'm glad to be here with you, man. Are your chickens not laying eggs yet? No, they're, they could any day. They're like right there, which is, you know, I'm low level angry with them because they're still not. And I'm like, you're full size. What are you doing? Like you have nothing else to do. Lay eggs. How many eggs like, do you expect a day? Dude, we could get a dozen a day. Like when they're really going, we could get a dozen a day. So those birds need to start working, bro. Like they're just doing nothing for me. Yeah, freaking freeloaders, man. Like, did they not know they need to pay their way to live in this home? Yeah, you're not just living here for no reason, you know? So this is, I think this is what you need to do. I think you need to go out tonight. You need to line them all up, grab the weakest chicken, (laughs) put it on the block, take its head off so they know who's in control and not only that there's expectations here and if you don't meet these expectations it's going to lead to your demise i'll take a single egg from the fridge and i'll set it yeah and crack it i'll crack it open and then murder one of the chickens in front of them do you think chickens know that's what they do like they lay eggs or like the first time it's just like a huge surprise of like ah what's happening i think it's totally surprised they're so dumb man they just like they're very dumb birds. I don't think they have any idea what their purpose is in life. I always wonder that about my dog. I just look at him like, how much do you really know? <laughs> yeah, because sometimes dogs can seem really smart, and then they freak out every day at the same time when the mail gets delivered, or like they hear thunder or anything, and it's like, dude, this is not your first rodeo. Yeah, Dude, my dog doesn't even need to hear thunder. My dog just needs to see the clouds go dark, uh, and he's freaking out for the next six hours. Did you ever get him a straight jacket like we talked about? I did. <laughs> Didn't work. I sent it back. One, he was not a fan of it. Like, not at all. He wanted that thing off. Uh, maybe I did it too tight. I don't know. Uh, but it also did not help his shaking and his anxiety. Sure, dude. I think he's just going to have to live with it. He's just going to have to be an anxious dog. I was like, that would be the most anxiety-provoking thing in my world if somebody just put me in a straitjacket. I would lose my mind. Well, I put one on with him, like in in like unison. Like we put it on together, <laughs> and we're just like, you wear yours, I'll wear mine. And he just – he wasn't having any of it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, so yeah, dude. No, no, uh, <laughs> no straitjackets for my dog anymore. Yeah. That's You're good. just going to have to man up, grow his balls back. <laughs> Sorry, that was a toxic masculinity right there. Yes, it I was. Apologize. But for the record, he did have them removed when he was young. So that's a bad that's a bad start to your life. You know, being neutered or spayed, no bueno. You want to transition us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me just think of a quick natural transition between being neutered and spayed and community. You know, it's kind of like dogs in a pack, you know, they kind of travel together. And it's one of the reasons your dog walks around and follows you all the time is because, like, he's deemed you the leader of his pack and he needs to be a part of this group. And it's kind of like this. We talk about community, right? Like, <laughs> we need this community, this pack. We need to find what's – the, what's the term from The Hangover? Have you seen The Hangover? 
my um, wolf pack. The wolf pack. My wolf pack, right? <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about helping you create your own wolf pack. That's right. Uh, if you don't have a wolf pack, uh, how do you have a better wolf pack? Yeah. Uh, all those kind of questions. Yeah. And if you haven't been spayed or neutered when you were six weeks old, like uh, like most dogs, then maybe you'll have a better shot at it, you know? Um, sorry, dogs. Um, yeah, but community, man. Um, seriously, though, like you got to have a wolf pack, you know? You can't be a, sol- a lone wolf. That's that's no good. You got to have your pack. Um, I don't know, man. Well, let's, let's back up just for a second. And like, why are we talking about community? Like one, you hear community talked a lot about in the church. So maybe that's one question of why does the church talk about it a lot? And two, why are we talking about it? Well, I'd say, well, first of all, this was your kind of topic idea, but I see how you pass the blame, but this is kind of the conclusion of the Jesus habits that we have been talking about. Community is the last one we have planned. I'm sure we'll talk about more down the road, but, but it's kind of one of those major Jesus habits of like, you shouldn't try to make it through this world alone. You shouldn't try to just follow Jesus alone. It's way too difficult. I, let's just be honest. Life is way too difficult to, be, to do alone. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. It's too tough to do alone. So especially if you're trying to live in this Jesus life, which is countercultural in so many ways, you need people around you who have your back um, and you need people around you who you love. Not just people who like support you when everything's bad, but like, you got to have people to laugh with, people to hang out with, people for all the seasons of your life, you know? So community is like a cornerstone to that. That's good. And it's a cornerstone to our faith too. Like I think there's parts of our relationship with Jesus that you can't experience unless you do community well. Um, like I think in terms of conquering habitual sin in your life, I don't know how you do that without community. Um, like that's a biggie. Um you know, I'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. Like um, when you're off track and, and you're not listening to Jesus, like um, you think you're doing all the right things, you, you but you have selfish motives for whatever reason, and that's your that's your underlying kind of push forward. And your community is the thing that refocuses you and, and kind of kicks you in the ass when you need to be kicked in the ass of like, hey, yeah, that's, that's not Jesus, the direction you're headed. Like you, you need to listen to this community. Even aside from that, like I'm a big believer in asking people to help me out with stuff when they know how to do stuff. So having like a network of friends who can help me with things or teach me things, or even just to bounce ideas off of is like very, very valuable. Like, dude, my boiler, I told you a few weeks ago that my house, we almost burned it down and flooded it in the same day. Well, I have a buddy who I called up who works in the water repair industry and he like literally walked me through the phone, how to use the blowtorch and do all this crazy stuff. That's not why I almost burned the house down, unrelated. But like that was a, a thing of being in community with somebody where I like, I'm like, oh, I can call him up. He can walk me through exactly how to repair this pipe or maybe he can come over if I need it. And it was like, it helped me, you know? I learned some skills through it and I saved some money on it and I didn't have a leak anymore. So it's yeah. like killer. And I think too, like, there's different varying degrees of community too, right? Like I think oftentimes the church chases after one specific one for everybody. And then we say like, that's my wolf pack. Like that's all I'm going to care about. And that's all like, and we create these barriers and these boundaries around that, that I don't think is super healthy. Cause I think in all reality, like you just said, it was like, there's varying degrees. Like I might not talk to these individuals every day, um, but they're still inside of my community at different degrees. And we still do life together to some extent. Um, and then we can reach out to each other when 
they have expertise that I don't have, or I have expertise that they don't have, and we could talk through uh, whatever they're trying to accomplish. But uh, and I think that's a big piece to you. Yeah, and it, well, hey, let's just pause. Like that's the let's not pause, but that's like the inside the church, the Christ following side of it. But dude, I think like our world is. I'm pretty positive the United States is super hungry for community, at least for friendship, for trusting relationship. And I think that's expressed in like, I don't have legitimate community. So I'm going to put everything on social media. I'm going to, I don't know. Like I'm, I just think, dude, we need community more than ever right now. And, and the, or maybe we've always needed this bad, but people couldn't express it so clearly constantly everywhere all the time in a way that follows you forever, you know, <laughs> like, um, but we need community badly, man. We're, we're not made to do this alone. No. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think the issue is they don't know how to do it. Like, I think that's the issue. I should say it this way. They don't know how to do it. Or if they do know how to do it, they don't want to put in the effort that it's going to take to do it. Right. It's kind of like the other Jesus habits we've talked about up to this point. Like, there's a level of sacrifice to practice these things um, that that it's going to take. Like it, it's just the reality of it. And you know, when we start talking about community, we start talking about humility and unity and love and um, all these these different terminologies or categories that we can put some of these verses together in. And like we don't we don't want it to be difficult. So we look at it and say, well, like I should just be friends with the people it's really easy to be friends with. Well, sure, like those are people easy to be friends with, but in all reality, like is that really what Jesus was talking about or, or what the New Testament writers were talking about when they started talking about this idea of, of one another or this idea of community um, that, that we're kind of diving into? Um, I just don't think people want to put in the time. Like it's so easy to like write people off of, yeah, you know, we're not going to be friends. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not preaching uh, at you. I'm preaching at myself in a lot of ways of like, I don't do community super well. And God's had me on this journey for the last six months of really trying to understand what community is and how to love people well. And um, all of those, those different aspects. And you know what, man, as I think about it, this is a pretty timely discussion. I know different parts of the country are going through quarantine, lockdown, COVID-19, all that stuff in different phases. Like some people are kind of out of it or going back into it, lockdown or isolation or whatever. And it's just such a weird season that our whole country is like, well, I sucked at hanging out with people and getting to know people in person already. And then I just went through four months of, I can't be with people, or maybe I can only be with a couple people, you know? So it's like, Maybe maybe our community has just broken down even more in the last few months. So all that to say, it's good we're talking about this because I think there's probably a lot of people who just are craving it right now, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, like I don't I don't often call myself an extrovert. Um, I'm probably somewhere on the line, but if I had to lean one way, I would lean towards extrovert. Um, now in seasons of high stress, that's not the case. I you know I take on the traits of a five and and isolate myself. But, um, in healthy seasons, like I need to be around people, like not being around people is hard. Like not being around my team, uh, face to face is difficult having to be over zoom meetings. Um, that's why we kind of break the rules. And once a week we all get together. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how we, that's how we get around it. Um, but like there, there's a piece of that, that like, um, I understand that not everybody is that way. Like some people genuinely need, 
you know, time away from people to kind of regenerate and, and this and that. But what I've found is those that are extremely extroverted by their own admission or their own description um, seem to be a lot more engaged on video conferencing on Zoom and Google Hangouts and those kind of things than than like I think of people that that I know that I'm on calls with on a regular basis that would typically not engage to the level they especially not in the group. Um, and oftentimes you're wondering like, when is this person going to shut up? Like they've been talking the whole time, right? Like, so I, I say all this to say this, I, I think there's this, sure. I believe that if people give you energy, you're an extrovert. If people drain you, you're an introvert. You need time to kind of refresh. But I think we take that to extremes oftentimes, or we take it to a level where it's using, we're using it to self protect ourselves. Of I feel uncomfortable right now in this group setting, so I'm going to be an introvert. That's what I'm going to tell people because it gives me an excuse. But in all reality, like those are the environments that you're in that may be uncomfortable that are extremely important for you to engage in. Um, one, to build the skills of how do you engage. Like, I get it. Small talk sucks. I hate small talk. Small talk is the absolute freaking worst. I At think one it's point, a you waste of me time. The king of small talk, or yeah. you asked me to train you. Tra- you asked me to train the rest of the youth group staff and how to do small talk, and I was like, I have no idea how to do that. Uh, Finding common ground with people is just—I don't know what it is. It's awkward. I get it. Uh, not a fan, but like meaningful conversation. That's really what we're trying to get at here. Is like we're trying to help people build community in such a way you can have meaningful conversation with people. And it doesn't have to be a thousand people. Um, it might just be a few people, but in all reality, if you're a part of a church family, it's hundreds, if not thousands of people. And you've got to figure out how to do life with hundreds and thousands of people. And not just your two people that I've determined these people, I trust 100%. I'm going to hold on to them and I'm never going to let them go. They're not going to appreciate that. But, um, but that's rea- that's oftentimes how we approach these things, right? Like it's this weird dynamic of like, this is my small group and I'm going to be with them till the Mm -hmm. day we die. We've been the exact same small group for 31 years and we're not changing anytime soon. You're like, are you serious? No one else is allowed into your group. It would change all the dynamics. Sure. But is that a bad thing? Like, come on. I understand your fear in that of like, well, we have such good conversation. Do you though? Let's really talk about the kind of conversation you really have. Like, I highly doubt it's that good. I know you portray it as it's really good. It's probably not. Is it really going to change it that much? It, it's going to change it. There's no doubt about that. You bring someone new into your friend group, it's going to change the dynamics. But is it going to be a selfish motive of, no, we have to keep it as it always is? Or are we going to embrace and learn how to bring this individual into our group in a healthy manner? We're not saying like bring them in and you know just let them you know, you know know destroy everything that you've built. Like that's not the key. Like – you have to protect what you value, uh, but at the same time, you can protect what you value and help other people come alongside that. If they don't want to, you know, value what you value as a collective, they're going to walk away on their own. No doubt about that. They're going to try to change you because um, controlling personalities will. Um, the ones that that won't try to control, they'll just walk away. You'll just what happened to John? John, I've never heard from John anymore. They just walked away. Uh, but you have those personalities that are going to try to change your values and you just hold to your guns if these are our values, which means you have to define your values. And I think that's a big piece of culture t- or community too is like you've got to set your values. Like what do we value? What matters to us? Um, and then hold to those things and everything else is negotiable. 
Well, so I'm thinking about some of the like community stuff where we got to know each other, not just you and me, but like you and me and many of the friends that we still have to this day. And that if I still lived in Colorado, we'd still be hanging out with frequently. Um, You still do, but you know, but I don't. Um, (laughs) It's on me. It's on me. Um, But like, I think of like when we first started kind of our community group um, at our friend's house, uh, right after Jan and I had moved out. Our fake community group, that one? Yeah. Yeah. We felt so guilty about it that we like. Not once did I ever feel guilty about that group. I think, I think the leaders did, but it was like, it started as like, we tried to do this Bible study thing and then it just didn't happen. No, it just started with biweekly dinners. Oh, you're right. We had a friend of ours that would just, yeah, we had a friend that would cook for all of us. And so we'd all show up cause she's a great cook. Um, we, I know you listen. I, I appreciate your, your cooking. I always appreciate that you listen. We don't say your name for the sake of anonymity, but, and then it kind of grew and, and grew. And this is probably where some of my like, unhealthiness towards community came in of like my response is why the hell are you inviting all these people? Can we just keep it to my people? I get it. Yeah. I understand. Like it's way more fun when it's just the eight of us, you yeah. know, like don't invite them. Yeah. This is, this is the house we were at when I called Jana a bitch and I got like torn apart for it. Um, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I did think about it. Yeah, it is. I was required to be on staff at this last church to be in a life group. Let's be honest. I don't want to be in a life group. For a variety of different reasons. Um, one, most life groups are horribly, horribly ran, and I don't want to be part of that. And second, I don't want to be in charge of one either because that just seemed like more work. So we created a fake life group, and that's all it was for a long time. We even had a life group number. Like it was legitimate to the higher, the higher powers, but uh, it wasn't legitimate. No, but here's the thing. Um, I think it was, I think it was legitimate. That's the thing is like, Maybe that's a good like intro into the the weirdness we put around what community means when we're inside the church. And let me be honest, let me just share this disclaimer. Like the church is trying hard to push people into community with one another, with other people in the church, with people outside the church. It's just not easy. You know, it's not a simple formula. Yeah, the problem, I think the biggest problem is community, even discipleship, is so organic in nature. But you can't scale things that are organic. So now you're... And people need guidance. Like, we all need somebody to push us to do something at many points in our lives. So that if that's like, hey, Josh and Andrew, you guys have a lot of friends at the church. You should start a life group where you, you know, um, what do we do for a life group? Oh, maybe you spend like 30 minutes talking about a chapter of scripture or six or eight verses or whatever. Or you just talk about whatever the sermon was preached on. And then you pray for one another and maybe you share a snack or a meal and then you call it good. You know, that's an hour, hour and a half. Let me ask you this. And this is going to piss some people off, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Have you ever been in a group like that, a life group where you felt that you spiritually grew? Hmm. So you grew in your trust, intimacy with Jesus. (sighs) Not your Bible knowledge, but your application of Bible knowledge. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, if I'm being really honest, only when I've led that, that type of setting in youth group. It's that eight inside. You got to be in control. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's the, well, maybe, but it's also like the responsibility side of me where it's like, and let's be honest, I wind up leading most things I'm a part of. Um, (laughs) 
That's funny because I try to do the opposite. For better or worse. Like I don't want to lead them if I don't have to. But I know everybody wants me to and I just don't want to. I don't necessarily want to lead them. It just happens organically where it's like they start asking me to do more and more things. But whenever I've led in the youth group setting, um, it's like over years, I would be teaching different lessons and different things. And I'm like, well, I can't be teaching this if I'm not trying to apply this to my life. Not that I'm perfect at it, but so in that sense that I always felt challenged by that. And I think that's one great reason to teach, even if you don't feel like you're perfect at something, you know? Well, like they say, that's the easiest way to learn slash solidify your learning is to teach somebody else that like that uses different parts of the brain. Um, but what about you? Have you grown through that? No, <laughs> like I've been on multiple life group, small group, uh, journey group, whatever you want to call them. I've been a part of multiple different versions of them. Wolf packs. I haven't been a part of wolf pack. That seems cooler. They probably have like those sweet, like graphic wolf tees. Um, I'm not cool enough to wear one, but, um, and I judge you when you do, but that's fine. It's beside the point. Um, so like I, I've been a lot of different groups and I'll be honest, I've never been in the group where it helped me grow as a follower of Jesus. And I think it, it didn't because of, of two things. There's no real accountability inside of it. Like I think groups more than three or four, you can hide, um, unless you're hyper intentional on dividing up the group and investing in those individuals. Um, but you can hide. Uh, to you typically say, you know, stay superficial level because you don't have to actually talk about real things. Um, and three, because three is just a good number. Uh, third reason they suck. Uh, the food's not good. I'll well, say it this way. You don't actually do life together. That's the third one. You show up once a week and you have this Bible study for lack of a better term, but you don't actually do life together. It's the only time you talk to each other. It's the only time you see each other. You like each other's Facebook posts because that's just what you do. Um, but that's that's really the lack. There's no other community that's happening there. Like I'm not, I don't know your kids. You don't know mine. I don't have kids, but like that kind of idea. So those are the three issues. And that that goes back to why I think that the the fake life group we had was totally legitimate because we weren't necessarily doing the, the programming of like, yeah. We got to follow the structure. It was really just like, come as you are. We're going to eat together. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good meal. We're going to understand what's going on. Like we'd sometimes do like highs and lows or, or just two truths and a lie or something dumb, but we bonded through that stuff, you know, to where we actually were like, Hey, I actually feel comfortable talking to some of these people, maybe not the group of eight or 12 or 15 or whatever the number was, but I have a few people in here that I can be really honest with about my life you know like it's a group that we're still friends with today like that group of individuals like we still do life with those same individuals today like i think that's a big piece of this and you know we've spoken into each other's lives at different times and and through through different ways but like there is definitely growth from that individual as long as you want to open up to the group right like there's still a piece of like i can attend those things over and over again i can have a good time it can be fun but if I don't really open up and share about my life, and maybe it's not with all of them, but it's a couple of those individuals, um, like that's where we miss out on, on you know, growth. And, you know, to not like we're not trying to uh, say the church sucks. That, that's not the intention of, of what we're trying to say. And they don't s- suck at community. They do. But we're not trying to say that. 
in general. Um, the problem you run into is, like I was saying earlier, like community is so organic in nature. Relationships are so organic in nature. There isn't a cookie-cutter way of doing it. Um, and the same thing with discipleship. There isn't a cookie-cutter way of doing it necessarily. It's it's hyper-organic. Um, I'm just trying to help you follow Jesus. And you know, kind of like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, and hopefully you'll follow Christ on your own. You don't need me anymore. Like That's the ultimate goal. But what happens in an organization like the church is, well, we can't scale that. Like there's no way we can re- reproduce that on a regular basis if it's so organic in nature. Now, I think you can if you really invest in your leaders and you invest in values rather than structure to things. Um, but in all reality, like it's really hard to scale. So it's not that it's the church is doing a bad thing. They're doing the best they possibly can with what they know and understand. Yeah. That they possibly can, but what they know and understand, that's solid. Yeah. Um, but like there, there's a piece to that that like like how do you create a framework or, or guide rails or a set of values that can kind of push these communities forward towards something without dictating them to such an extent that you kind of miss the magical spark that they have when they have it, right? Because we've all been a part of groups of people where you're like, man, that was – it was so good. And maybe you didn't realize how good it was until, you know, you kind of left it and then look back and you're like, man, that was such a deep level of community and, and you know, conversation and growth and all those different things that come along with, with healthy community and discipleship um, in the church. Um, but it's hard, to, it's hard to frame that in such a way that people are like, oh, I could do that. Or you just need to launch a bunch of groups because it's the right thing to do. So you just find a bunch of facilitators of groups. Hey, all I need you to do is ask questions. Well, that's, Nowhere in scripture is that a thing. Like facilitators don't exist. Um, and I know it's hard to find shepherds. I know it's hard to find disciple makers, but that's the reality of what you're trying to, like you've got to find that type of person or a, a person that has developed those skills, have a maturity in their faith to have those skills. Um, oftentimes it's just giving people the confidence and that they have those skills. Like I just had a conversation a few weeks ago with a guy um, that does discipleship without even realizing he's doing discipleship and doesn't really know what he's doing necessarily. His kind of key phrase is, well, I just show up. Like, that's just my thing. I just show up. And when I show up, like things just happen. Um, and that's real. Like, that's the big, that's like, that's like a big step of it. I was like, if you just show up, like things are going to happen. You keep showing up. Um, but we could take this to another level. That's downplaying it though, because just being there, just committing the time to whether it's a weekly dinner at your house or somebody else's house or a monthly dinner or whatever, or or you're showing up for a meal with with people you're trying to mentor or disciple once a week, once a month, whatever it is, like just showing up is is huge, you know? Or just being the person to say, Hey, here's an opportunity for you guys to show up. Like everybody can come over next Thursday for a barbecue, you know, and then we can do it again a month later, whatever. Here's a chance to show up. Like that's big, man. That's not a small deal by any means. No, that's good. Yeah. And like now that I'm on the other side, like I'm not currently in paid church work. It's interesting. Cause like you'd have all these things in your head of like, this is what a life group has to have. They'd be consistent. I'm meeting every week and then I don't really do life together. Um, which is Yes and no, that's true and not true. Yeah, you should be seeing each other or talking to each other at least weekly, but you don't need to actually have an official meeting. Um, like I always think of those groups I've met every other week, and you're like, you're not even real Christians. Like what kind of freaking life group are you running? Uh, <laughs> things like that. Uh, I didn't say those things out loud. I kept to myself because I knew I was probably wrong. But there's that piece of like 
There can be more flexibility with things. Once a month gatherings are great. They serve a purpose. They're important um, to connect people together. And, you know, one of the things we always try to kind of kick off and instill in, in leaders, and we just never really were effective at doing it. One of our primary responsibilities as leaders is to help understand who somebody is and help them get connected to someone similar. Right. Like that's how community starts to get formed. Now you don't want to get like it in the nitty gritty of someone similar, like differences are great inside of relationships. It makes things interesting and fun. If you're all exactly the same person, then it's not interesting or fun. You get bored and you moved on. But you both have braces and freckles and a slight lisp. Yeah. So you should hang should out hang together. Hang out together. <laughs> uh, no. But like you should be like, who are you who are you? Like what makes you you? And do you know? Like, do you know so-and-so? Like, those are always the things that we try to, like, instill in people. Like, hey, your job here is just to help other people get connected. So this is how we do it. But it's so, like, it feels so exposing to be that person, to, like, have to get to know somebody that's like, I don't want to be here anyways. I don't know. There's just so many things on this topic that gets my mind running. But, like, I just think of so many conversations I've had with people over the years as a a pastor in, in different environments. And the conversation oftentimes leads with people to, I have no community here. I have no friends. Like I come to Sunday morning, I sit down, I leave, and nobody's friendly enough to me. Now, I think part of that's expectation. Like, no joke. I had a conversation with one kid, one guy once. Um, and I said, well, like, what does that look like for you? For you, like what says in your head, I'm a part of this community? And his response was, I want to walk into a room and people yell my name. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Like, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's just never going to happen uh, for a couple of different reasons. Let me be really off. Let me be really honest with you. You don't have the personality for it. Um, but like, but oftentimes that's part of the issue too. Is like we have this mentality inside of our heads of what we think it should be, right? Like community should be fun. It should be exciting. We should go on adventures together. Or community should be deep, and we should have raw. Uh, you know, tear-filled conversations on a daily basis. Like, you have all these, like, crazy, like, notions. They're like, community should never challenge me. They should only love me and not judge me. You're like, well, you don't grow if no one's going to speak into your life truth. Um, sorry. Uh, but, like, there's all these different notions of, like, what are they chasing? And I think those are the things that kind of have to be to kind of pushed down and demolished. I know we didn't plan for any of this. We're going into unclaimed space, so we'll have to figure out. But, um that, and then the other side of it is like, it's always your fault, right? Like there's no personal responsibility in my, in this world. It's all your fault. Like you're not creating the environments, the space, the, the, for, for me to feel comfortable enough that I can be in your community. And sure. Other things are doing that are probably not helpful to that. Absolutely. But do you have any control over that? Absolutely not. So control what you can control and that's yourself. Right. Yeah. And all of us, you can control yourself. And and that's, I don't know, part of it is like, Paul talks about it where he's like, Hey, I forget where he talks about it in the new Testament, but he's like, you guys are still drinking milk like babies and you, you should be eating whole food at this point. Like you don't need to uh, be taking bottles as adults, you know, but that's what you're doing. Basically like you're not even trying to go to the next level of, of depth. And I don't know, man, like part of that is just, and I know I'm taking that way out of context, but thinking of community, it's like, you got to be willing to make yourself be in a slightly uncomfortable 
position where you don't know everybody in the room well, or you're never going to get to know everybody in the room well. You know, like you got to be willing to be like, I'm going to a barbecue where I know uh, two people and it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to go, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to try. Um, you got to be willing to just take the first step and give it a shot. And let's be real. If you go to a barbecue with 10 people there, you're probably going to want to be friends, friends with a couple of the people, you know, like deep, friend, like real friends, probably not going to immediately click with everybody in the room and be like, these are the best people in the world I've ever met. And I love them all. Like they're my community. No, like your wolf pack is, uh, is probably a smaller group than that. And it can grow over time, but you got to try. You can't expect to just walk into a building that's a church and have it be this magical, like, welcome to our abode. This is our commune where everybody loves everybody and you're our best friend. What can we do to serve you? It's like, that's, it's filled with people. You know, so it's not perfect. So, well, and like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you walk into a place and, and they are that welcoming, but the reality is that's not like them being welcoming isn't relationship. Like that's just the start of relationship. Um, it's the same thing we were talking about with going to parties and like, I don't think we should be on the lookout of who my next best friend is going to be. Like I remember having a conversation with a girl um, years ago and she made a comment of like, I'm going to be that person's friend. Like that is one of the craziest things that I've ever heard. <laughs> like what? I don't even know what that means. You're going to be that. You're like, you barely even know that person. I don't even know how to unpack this or where to start. There's so much unhealth in that statement, but like, we're all on the look like, Oh, I got to find my next best friend or I got to find that deep rooted community inside of my church that I could be a part of. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal that you find those people, but like, Take it easy. Hold things with, you know, with your with your fists open wide. Like hold things loosely. You'll find those things you keep pursuing down these roads. And as we kind of talk about these different one another verses here in a second, like you'll you'll find these things. You'll find those deep relationships. Like at no point, Andrew. No offense to you. You're a great dude. But did I think to myself, I'm going to be Andrew's best friend? Like he's going to be my dude? No, that's freaking weird. Uh, it is so weird. Yeah. Over time, you spend time together and you find connections. Like that's, yeah. just, that's how things work. For the record, I mean, when I first saw you, I'm like, that's going to be one of my dudes. He's going to be, that's my friend right that's there. Funny. And then most people, when they first see me go, like, as a douchebag, <laughs> I want nothing to do with <laughs> No, dude, I, I never thought that to myself, but, uh, but I'm glad that you are one of my really good friends. Not until your wife came home and said, my boss is an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, she probably did. No, she was, she was a fan of you. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's weird. And you're right. We shouldn't, uh, just back to your point of we shouldn't always be looking for who's my next best friend. Like, that's very unhealthy and weird in my point of view. Um, and like, we're still putting roots down in Pennsylvania. Well, it's not going to work. Like, that's the reality of it. Like, you can name someone you're going to be, that's going to be your best friend. But I promise you, you're going to show them so much attention that they're going to run for the hills because you freaked them out. Hundred percent, and it's it's just like it takes time, you know. Like we we got great community when we were in Colorado because we moved out there knowing nobody. We kind of had that huge need, but dude, for the first year, there were a lot of times where Jan and I both felt lonely, just like crap. Like we really need people, but but we didn't want to be the weird people that were like you know knocking down people's doors to hang out with them. But we were like, we really need new people. Um, and we'd just come out of four years of college together where we had all these deep friendships, you know, then we left Colorado and it was like, reality was we were there for seven and a half years or 
No, six and a half years. Anyway, um, we're there a long time and put down awesome roots. And then we're like, no, we're making this change. But um, but we're still like rebuilding. We're, we're tr- trying to see like, okay, what is our community here now? You know, like we have some that's just kind of inherited, you know, like family that live here. But it's like, all right, we need just our friends too. And that that takes time. It's not a it's not an overnight thing, but it takes intentionality and time. So we're trying to invite people in, trying to host things, go to things we're invited to, all of that, because we gotta identify who God wants to have in our life as community. But it can't happen overnight. Um, and just because you move, you shouldn't like cut off all relationships, just as a side note. We did not do that. And well, it feels like not. you did. Like I don't even think. I was on Facebook earlier today and we're any Facebook friends. So I don't know what happened with that, but that was you, man. You unfriended me. If so, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> unity, man. Speaking of not even being Facebook friends, how do we be unified? Yeah. Before we jump into that, um, I, I think you know, you were hinting to it there of like, you've got to take some initiation yeah. on this. So like you want to be friends with people, start inviting people over. Like I'm assuming you have a kitchen table. It might be a small kitchen table, but you have one. Invite people over for a barbecue. You know, it's July right now. It's a great time to barbecue. Um, Most people aren't going to say no to a barbecue. Especially if it's outside and COVID is weird. You can be like, hey, we'll stay at least six feet apart. No need to hug. It's all good. We're just going to grill some food. Solid. Yeah, just open up. And it might feel really exposed. I get it. That's terrifying to some people. Um, But also that's that's how friendships are born. Um, that's how, you know, friendships are born that, that changes into Christian community and that evolves into, you know, people that are truly going to hold you accountable and encourage you and challenge you and push you towards being more like Jesus. Yeah. And if you are a competitive person, might I suggest uh, getting a set of spike ball or slammo if you want to save a couple bucks and you have a great, uh, which is 100% yeah. us. <laughs> if, but dude. Spike ball, slammo, they're awesome. You know, great outdoor game that it gets insanely competitive and exclusive pretty quickly because nobody wants to play with the person who's only played one time or never. Oh, isn't that true though? It's so true. Like if you've ever played with me and it was your first time playing, I don't hide my emotion well. So I apologize if I seemed really irritated because I was, (laughs) but it wasn't you. It was just... Unfortunately, spike ball like is only really fun when you play with people at similar skill levels. Um, when you're really below or really high, then it's not it's fun not anymore. It's not as fun. That's right. That's right. Spike ball is a lot of fun. All right. So to kind of let's bring this back to kind of Jesus's model of community um, as we've kind of gone in these circles. But so the term one another appears a hundred times in the New Testament, a lot of them by Paul himself, and then others throughout the Gospels and through other New Testament writers. But um, one another matters seems to matter a lot to the early church, um, and all these mo- one another verses we can kind of split into three different categories. And I think you, or I guess, four different categories technically, but really the big big idea is unity, um, this idea of love, and this idea of humility. And then you have like these other verses, like you know, don't judge one another, um, or put stumbling blocks, and always greet each other with a holy kiss, which I think is. Yeah, like, and it's not a holy kiss unless a tongue is involved. So, you know, I understand not super um, PC for for us in the United States. Tongue but to cheek. Like, if you really yeah. want to follow Jesus, tongue like tongue to cheek would be normal. Uh, face cheek, not the other cheek, because <laughs> oh, it's weird really fast. Um, 
Other things is like speak truth to one another. Don't lie to each other. Um, though that probably speaks to unity to some extent. Um, you know, encourage, build up one another. Can I just say the next one you had was comfort one another during the res or concerning the resurrection. And I know that's about the resurrection and like the end is near all of that, but dude, let's be real. We could just apply that to like comfort one another during COVID-19 comfort one another during, I don't know, the wrong guy got elected or the we're going to war again or all the stuff. There's like so much anxiety all the time that you need people who can just comfort you when you're freaking out, whether it's merited or not about whatever's going on today. Cause there's always stuff to be anxious about. My wife just sent me a text screenshotting uh, her newsfeed and circled um, circled that squirrels in Colorado are now carrying some horrible disease. And she was like, WTF, you know, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no joke. Uh, they're uh, the black plague. They're carrying the black plague. It's like we need comfort during the resurrection. And this isn't the first case yeah. of it. Like this is a normal happening in 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 nature. Apparently, you know, COVID didn't kill us. The riots didn't kill us. The freaking uh, killer bumblebees didn't yeah, kill us. Or murder no, hornets. The squirrels are. Uh, so now it's going to be the squirrels with black plague. Uh, I we have a mutual friend. Uh, I don't know if you saw recently on her Instagram, but she posted a picture of her and a squirrel. What she didn't get into the details of is that squirrel's her friend, and there's multiple ones of them, and she talks to them, and she feeds them, and they hang That's out together awesome. on a regular basis. Uh, dude, one of the day these days, one of those squirrels is going to just like grab her and be like, you got the black plague now, you know, and she's going to need comfort in that moment. I should send her that article and just be like, Hey, uh, just trying to help you out here. Um, I don't know if you've read this recently, but like, this is a thing. Uh, stop kissing the squirrels. Definitely should. But, but seriously, yeah, that's one, that's one of the one another. So it's this idea of unity, this idea of love and this idea of humility. Um, and a third of these verses, you know, live inside of this unity verse of, you know, uh, be at peace with one another or don't grumble among one another, be the same mind um, with one another, accept one another, wait for one another before um, the beginning of communion. Um, But it's this idea, and I think you even hinted on it earlier, it's this idea of one another of like, we should be the organization and the place, um, the people that that openly welcome people into our arms um, and fight for like this isn't necessarily unity, but I think it's on the same lines of unity. Um, and, and fight for people. Um, we want to open arms and and accept people into to our community. We we shouldn't be a community that's that's closed off or a community that um, says yeah we we can't hurt what we already have, so we can't let you in. I think we miss I think we miss a big piece of that, and you never know what's going to come of that. Like you never know the relationships, the friendships. Um, you never know the skill sets that people are going to have that enter into that community. Um, and and I think that's a big, big, big piece of of what we what we do and who we should be known as is um, this whole idea of of unity. But yeah, and and can we just pause? Like unity. Um, when Jesus prayed for future believers, he prayed that that we would be unified together. Like that 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 we would be one as he and the father were one is what he prayed for unity for us, which is a crazy type of, it is crazy. And that's like, yeah, think of your dad and you, um, or think of like a more perfect bond of father and and child. It's crazy. But 
Have you not met my dad and me? Like I'd say we're pretty damn pretty close, close to perfection. Pretty close. But no, I just mean, but the, the reality is there's a lot of like, it's not easy to just have open arms to being unified and have open arms to a bunch of people coming into your community because let's be real. It's, it's kind of tough. It's like, you know, I want to have my, um, my close friends, which I don't think there's anything wrong with having your, your close friends, your kind of acquaintances or moderate friends. And then like the wider group, like, I think that's totally fine. And Jesus modeled that, but, um, but it still takes a lot of effort to be open to, to new people joining that group, new people leaving it, uh, leaving it, new people joining all of that. Like it takes a, a posture of like, I'm always willing to try um, to be open to new community. And then the unif- unity side is like, I'm not going to be quick to, to judge them. Like you were talking about earlier. I'm not going to be quick to label a person as just like, I don't want to be around them or they, or their views are wrong or whatever, you know, to label them. It's like to really try at unity is not easy. Like, cause, cause there's a lot of things in life that can disunify us that, that are meant to disunify us. So I don't know, I'm rambling on a little bit, but yeah, it's not easy. No. And I think you see this, you see this inside of, uh, of the new, the new Testament church and the early church as they're kind of finding their way through all of this and the church is being established um, but I think a big piece of it is you've got to define your non-negotiables. Um, so like, here's our non-negotiables. Um, we're not going to gossip about one another. Um, we're going to care for one another uh, to a point of sacrificial care of one another. Like, I can't truly love you if I'm not willing to sacrifice for you. Um, and the list can go on and on, but hopefully not it's too long that people remember them all. But like, I think you have to define your non-negotiables um, and then everything else is negotiable. Meaning I don't have to agree with you on this as long as we agree on what's important. Um, and this is what's important for our community to have unity, to move in the same direction, um, to have care for one another and other people feel like they're, they're being cared for. Um, and then we hold on to those values because the reality is those things are true in any, fam- in any friend group, right? Like you have values. Now they, they're unstated values probably 98% of the time, but you have certain values. And when people don't fit in those values, you start to watch the group kind of rear up. They don't know what to do with it. Um, now, if your value is you have to be hip and cool, um, that which is a true value of a lot of friend groups, and you don't meet that, like we're back in middle school, um, like like. But that's reality. Like that that group has determined this is a value of ours, and you don't meet our values, so you can't get through the threshold, right? But it's the same true. It's the same thing true with with Christian communities. You have to have defined values. Now, I don't recommend no. you have to be hip and Probably cool. Probably not the best. Um, I do recommend that you should be attractive. Like that should be a big one for yeah. your Christian community. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, but like you should have these values, and they should be defined values. Like, hey, our friend group believes this to be true. Whatever this happens to be. Um, to be a part of our friend group, you're going to have to believe this to be true or at least function that you believe this to be true. You can not think it's true. That's fine. But you're going to uh, abide by it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it can be simple stuff. Like we like to have fun together. We like to eat good food together. We like to try to follow Jesus together. Like it doesn't have to be this crazy apostles creed of like, here are the 30 things that we believe it could if you want to be real simple, you could just borrow from from our script that that is kind of this uh, all these verses that that are about one another and the cornerstones like you mentioned are unity, 
love and humility. Now I'm going to have to post this, this somewhere. No, no, you don't have to, but like unity, love and humility, just search for like new Testament verses about love, about humility, about unity. There's there's a hundred of them. Let us know when you find a hundred of them. If you don't find a hundred, that's right. You're bad at, at searching Google. I, I think through different Christian communities have been a part of, and you know, this speaks to unity. Um, it also speaks to love, but really unity is like this level of gossip that exists inside of the church. And I'll, I'll label gossip as this. Any conversation, either good or bad, about somebody that's not in the room. Gossip. Now, I say either good or bad because like they could be having a baby. Well, it's not your information to share with with that group. That That's their good news. Let them share that good news. Um, or, you know, Husband just had an affair on on wife or vice versa. Bad news. Not your place to share that information. Or it could even be hidden inside of prayer requests, which us church folk love to do, right? I have a prayer request for Jenny. Um, now, don't let this leave the group, guys. Let's just pray for her. But Jenny has been doing the herb derbs again and the cocaines. Uh, right? That's not helpful to anybody. You're not genuinely trying to help Jenny. Um, like that's not your intention. And even if you are generally trying to help Jenny, you've picked a horrible freaking <laughs> environment to share right. that with. Um, they're not in the right? room. Like if I haven't told that person what I'm about to say to this other person, then I could keep my mouth shut. Um, now it's super easy to fall into this, especially if the culture surrounds it. Um, like we'll, we'll devour, consume one another. Um, just take off each other's heads. Any chance that we get, you know, Galatians 5.15, right? Don't bite, devour, consume one another. Um, but we do it so quickly in the disguise of godliness, right? Like that's where it gets super bad. It's already bad. But now we're taking it to a whole nother level because we're bringing Jesus into the equation. I like to say this all the time. Like don't put words in Jesus's mouth, right? Like don't say things Jesus ain't saying. Um, be very careful about saying God told me this about you. Uh, you better be damn right that God told you that about him before you go and drop something on. I know that I'm not trying to skip further down, but humility is one of the things we're going to talk about. And I think part of humility is being willing to say like, yeah, I didn't live up to the values I should have. I didn't live up to the, the, the principles I'm trying to follow as a Christ follower. I didn't live up today to just being a generally good human. Uh, here's how, you know? So like, yeah. So like that rule on gossip you gave, that's a great, that's great. Like, don't say it if they're not in the room. Um, and then, you know, for it's a cliche, but check your heart <laughs> as to why you're saying it. What's your motivation in saying that, you know, Jenny's doing the herb derb again? Um, is it good? Is it bad? Does it? And the cocaine. Yeah, and the cocaine. Um, <laughs> does, it, does it need to be said? Does it not? But then the humility in that is like, if you tell a whole group of people something you shouldn't have told to them and you get that like kind of convicting moment of like, Oh crap, I shouldn't have done that. Um, then just stop and say, guys, that was stupid of me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I somehow my pride had me feeling like I should say that about Jenny and her cocaines and herb derb. I shouldn't have. It's weird. They keep bringing it up, even though you're apologizing. Yeah, but I'm just trying to bring it one cogent example. But, you know, it's like it takes humility to to work through this stuff. And you got to be part of that is willing to be able to say, like, I screwed up. I didn't live up to the values we're trying to live up to. 
Sorry, guys. And saying it in the room, saying it with the group, you know, or going to the people you said it to and letting them know. That's huge. But like, we don't apologize well in the church either. Like, we brush it on the rug like it doesn't exist, or we justify our actions and then apologize. Like, that's that's our typical MO. Um, neither of those are real apologies, folks. Apologies just take ownership. But yeah, I think that's that's huge. Like, that level of humility to be able to say, oh, man, I just really F that up. Um, like, what's that going to tell you to your friend group? Like, the, the example that you just set for them, because you were courageous enough to own your mistake in the moment and apologize for it. Now, here's the shitty part of that is now you got to go to the person you were talking about and apologize to them as well. Whew, that's a hard one. Because now you're like, I'm going to cause pain and then I'm going to cause pain again. I'm going to tell them something that if we just went and they just never found out about it, life would be good. But in all reality, that's creating a division between us and them. And I do it enough and it, that division becomes great. Like I've got them in the fence. Right. I got to fix it. and I got to apologize. Right. Oof, that's a good point, man. And that is, that does suck, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And that's part of love. You can't like, you can't do any of this stuff without a genuine care for one another. Like, um, or at least an attempt at it. Like I'm going to choose to try to love you well because you're in my life. And it could be because you're number one in my wolf pack, or it could just be because like you're in my house or you're in my, my group, you know, I'm going to try to love you. Or you happen across my yeah, path. Yeah, you that happen day. across my path. Or yeah, something. you're, you're serving me coffee. So I'm going to try to treat you as a human who has, has dignity in God's sight. So I'm going to be kind to you and I'm going to acknowledge you and thank you for, for handing me the cup of coffee, you know, or whatever it is, man. Like, we should walk around trying to exhibit these things as like our guiding principles in life is I'm going to try to love people. Well, I'm going to try to live in humility. I'm going to try to be a unifier and not a divider. Like these are tall orders. I think um, just before this started, you and I were talking politics and it's like, we were talking about things that, you know, dude, you even just say the word politics and people are like, yeah, don't even bring that up. Like, if you want to have a good Thanksgiving, don't bring that up around the table. Don't bring up politics or religion. It's like there's just whole topics in our lives that are like, don't even mention it, or you're going to disunify the group and have a horrible holiday. Well, and like, conflict is not disunity. Um, as long as it's healthy conflict. Like, if I'm just dropping a bomb and I'm like, whatever, I almost said something that would. Totally get me in trouble. And as a couple of eights on the Enneagram, we do like conflict. So we got to be careful about our motivations and what the heck is this conflict for? Yeah. I also love to drop the bomb in the middle of the group and see what happens with it. Um, no problem with that at all. Um, but like to not have healthy com- conflict, to not talk through things where we disagree on them, um, like that's not creating unity either. To act like we just don't talk about those things, like that's that's not healthy to, to the you know advancement of what we're trying to build anyways in terms of a, a community of followers of Jesus. Um, like you've got to have conflict. But this goes back to like know what you value and then whatever – anything else that's outside of those values is debatable. So we can disagree on something and as long as we're both cordial, as long as we're both willing to listen, as long as we're both willing to control our tempers and our emotions and just have a conversation, like that's great. That's awesome. But it's when things get out of hand so quickly, right? Like I could be at a family table and I know the things I can say that would set certain individuals off and then 
Like it's just going to blow up. Well, like that's not helpful. I may disagree with their belief or their view or on whatever happens to be, but I'm not trying to create discord in that moment. Like I'm not, we're not trying to talk this out where I'm, I'm just trying to fight. Right. And there's times I, I say this pretty regularly. Like I'm just in a weird space where I just want to fight. Like that's how I feel. So I'm going to pick a fight with somebody um, just because uh, unfortunately, typically that's like, the closest people to you because they're safe to fight with because they're not going to leave you. Um, and others, it's like, you know, someone I never met and it's, you know, I'm going to support call and I'm just pissed off and frustrated at this point. So I'm just going to let some poor guy have it that has no control over the situation. Right. Got to be able to control those things. Like it goes back to, you know, even in humility, like I've got to control my, my emotions. Um, and so often the thing that destroys unity isn't necessarily good, healthy conflict. It's, destructive conflict out of anger. I'm pissed off and angry. And oftentimes you get pissed off and angry because you never dealt with the issues that happened months, years ago. Um, and you've held on to them and held on to them and they've just built and festered and gotten bigger and bigger. Um, and now I'm just going to take it out on you and we're about to throw down. Uh, but like, as, as we see throughout the new Testament, um, human anger is not righteous anger. Um, and that's an Im- important piece to all this, but um, yeah. But other parts of unity is like we bear one another's burdens. Like we confess sins to one another. Um, like we seek good for one another. Um, like these are all things and they're all intertwined. Like I do those out of unity, but I'll, I also do them out of love and I can't do them if I don't have humility. Like we can kind of intermingle them all. We just put them in categories for the sake of it. Um, but one thing that I felt like God told me over the last, it was probably like six months ago and really just trying to understand it is like, I truly can't love you if I'm not willing to sacrifice for you. Um, you know, it's the verses that say like, you know, even your enemies love their children. Like even the evil love their children. Like what good is it of you to love your children? Like, good job. You hit the bare minimum. Um, there's, a, there's a higher level. And it's the example that Jesus gave us, right? Like that level of sacrifice for for to love those um, around him, and in Jesus' case, to love all humanity, to give them a way out of their their bondage of sin. Um, but yeah, like I truly can't love you if I'm not willing to sacrifice for you. Um, and sacrifice can look a lot of different things. It could be big sacrifices, it could be little sacrifices. I could be sitting in a team meeting with individuals that oftentimes drain me um, because they're just those types of individuals. We don't see eye to eye uh, on a lot of things, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to die. Uh, like, I'm so frustrated right now. Um, but the response is, I'm going to sacrifice in this moment. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm not going to fake it. I'm generally going to listen. I don't want to at all, <laughs> but this is what I'm going to do, right? Like, um, if you haven't read the book Love Does by Bob Goff or um, Love Always, and he has a new book. I just bought it, just started it. I don't remember it was Dream something. Um, but uh, one of the statements he, he says in there, and He's kind of my example of like, how do you love people well? I want to love, but love like Bob Goff loves. Um, there's a level of acceptance and um, intrigue even of like, I just want to understand you and get to know you. Like that's the piece of like, I wish I was more like that. Um, but one of the statements he says, you don't have to love people forever. You just got to love them for the next 30 seconds. Can you just love them for the next 30 seconds? Um, and he's, you know, he's telling stories of witch doctors, like mutilating children and these are the individuals that God is saying, there's your enemy right in front of you. Now, are you going to do what I say or not? Are you going to love him or not? 
Now he tells this story that he chooses to love this guy that he thinks is pure evil for 30 seconds at a time. Um, this guy eventually gives his life to Jesus, which pisses him off, understandably so, because now this guy's found salvation, and yet he's an evil, horrible person. But it goes back to what you said earlier. We want to put labels on people. You're never going to come out of this label because you've come out of this label. It's going to screw up my view of reality. Um, but that's the reality. Like that's that's the piece of it. Is like, can I just love you for the next thirty seconds? And maybe it seems stupid and mundane. You're like, Josh, you just not. You should have more patience with that person. I should probably. But I'm just going to love them for the next twenty seconds. Or they are pure evil individuals, and you're just saying, I just got to love them for the next thirty seconds. That's it. Just getting practical. Okay, so I had one thought that was pretty practical, which is just loving people well in the next 30 seconds, I think often just looks like listening to whatever they're actually saying and not planning your response or thinking about something totally unrelated, but just being in the moment and actually listening. That's a simple, simple way to actually love people well. I think that goes back to kind of what we were we're talking about in social media of like people are lonely and they just put their whole lives on Instagram or Facebook, or they put the parts of their lives on there that are like, the things that they probably don't want to put out, but that they, they know will get a lot of likes or hearts or DMs or whatever it is, you know, they'll get a lot of traction on because it's like, well, this is what everybody wants to see about me. So I'm going to put more and more of it out there. Um, and I'm horrible at social media. So that's not a huge driver in my life. Yeah. Like, but, um, I don't know how helpful social media is. I don't know. To if our world. I don't know if it is. At like all. I get, if you want to create a following, you know, for the sake of income, for the sake of influence, for the sake of whatever, it's a great way to do it. Um, but I don't know if it's a good way to do it. Like, sure, it's effective in getting those things, but I'm not sure it's actually helpful. There's probably a lot of good things about it. Like, people probably have found very legitimate community through social media. It's just there's so many negative things. It's really easy to look at and be like, this should all go well, it's away. it's like this whole this thing of like – Yes, it gives us a greater reach of our community in terms of like people I'm connected to. I can see what people from high school, though I think only fall like five or six people from high school, not a lot. Um, but like I don't actually have to do life with them at all. We never have to have a conversation. I could feel like I'm close to you. But in all reality, I'm, I'm not close to you at all. And I think this is the downside of, of social media is like you can read all my posts and like them all and you're like, man. Josh and I, like, I, I get that guy. Um, like, we'd be such good friends. But in all reality, like, we haven't talked in years. You think we're friends. Like, that's weird to me. And it's filtered through what, is, what does Josh want me and all of his other super fit, not superficial, but all of his other friends that are the wide group that he's okay with seeing whatever. What does he want me to see? You know, that's like the driving factor. But I don't know. Well, if you get on my uh, Facebook page, you'll know that I don't want you to see anything because – I don't know the last time I posted Facebook. Yeah, I just click Facebook as well when I post things from Instagram. And then I get on there every now and again. I really like uh, Marketplace on Facebook. So I'll get on there and be like, oh, crap, like 10 people commented on that thing a week or two weeks or three weeks ago. And I just never acknowledged it. So I'm sorry if you comment on my things on Facebook. I'm not. But like, do you have to? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Do they have to like you have to recognize that they commented on them? Or like, just let them comment all they want. Like, who cares? Like, it, but like, this is where that offense comes into play, right? Like, now we're now we're at odds with each other because you didn't like my post or you didn't comment back. You reply to my comment, and you're like, at what point did we end up in this weird world yeah. of 
where that's a thing that should be, yeah. Like the, yeah. this is the norm. How about you send me a text message or how about we legitimately communicate face to face? Like call me up, set, you know, send me a text, say, Hey, let's hang out this week. I'm probably more than open to sitting down. Um, especially if you want to buy me a meal, like you want to get me, you want to sit down with me, like, just be like, hey, Josh, can I buy you lunch this week? And be like, yeah, 100%. No problem. Now, if the whole conversation is centered around why have you not been replying to my comments, it's probably going to be a weird meal. Okay. I had one other thought I wanted to tell you, and it's maybe a little bit wider, but about these principles of like unity, love, and humility. As we were talking, I was thinking about like how these are some of just the bedrocks of what it means to kind of start a relationship with Jesus. Like, to come to a place where you hear the Holy Spirit speaking or knocking on you or whatever the right word is um, and saying like either, Hey, I want to start a relationship with you or you need to repent of this thing and I want to help you through it or whatever it is. Like, I think a huge piece of that is the humility to be like, I'm open to, to knowing that that's true. I'm open to knowing that I need help or I recognize that I need a savior. You know, I, I'm not cutting it on my own. My effort isn't getting me far enough. Like that alone is like, that starts humility. And then like, I think there's a beautiful element of unity in saying we all follow Jesus together because it's like, sure, there's a million things that are different about your life and my life and our backgrounds and our political beliefs or whatever. There's a million things that separate us. But man, if we're willing to say like, I want to follow Jesus for real and make that the top priority of my life. Trying to trying to make that the guiding principle of of I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to look like a disciple of Him. Um, then there's unity in that because I can meet you and get to know you, and that's your principle too. And out of all this stuff, like we can have so much in common because of that, you know. And believe to the point of like we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we're we're truly unified in a way deeper way than the the physical sense. It's like, we're, we're in the same family, you know, and then like love, you know, the, the idea of like, you're recognizing that Christ died, not just for like somebody, but for you, you know, like he did that out of love for you. Um, I just feel like these are all bedrock principles of even just the start of a relationship or the start of a deeper relationship with Jesus that, they all just line up really well, you know, like that's, there's some of the core things of what, what a Jesus life is even about in my point of view. Well, and that's like going back to the beginning of the, this episode, you know, we, we talked about there's things inside of the, your faith and your relationship with Jesus that you'll never experience until um, you, you've lived inside of community to experience these things. Right. Like I'm never going to really understand the humility or the posture of humility that I should have until I start doing relationship with people um, because it's going to take humility because I'm going to screw up. I'm going to cause harm and I have to apologize for those things um, or I have to expose myself and show that level of humility in terms of, Hey, this is where I'm at or this is what I'm struggling with or there's a variety of different ways that it, that it you know, uh, manifests itself. Um, but like without those things, without that, like I'm never going to grow in my humility with God, right? Like because I didn't really experience it from a emotional and experiential level um, to be able to internalize it, so I can you know replicate it back with my relationship with God. Like 
like you're saying, like same thing with love and same thing with, with unity, like, you know, unity with Jesus. Like, am I unifying my beliefs, my viewpoints, how I do this life with the way that Jesus one, uh, um, set as an example for me, but also commanded me to live it this way. Um, like that's that piece too. Like it's, it's both. And like living in community is going to help grow your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus is going to help deepen your community. Um, and as we kind of mature in this world, like we get better and better at these things. Um, doesn't come easy. It doesn't come simply. Um, but if you're looking for, you know, deep, meaningful relationships, like this is how we get there. We, we fight for unity. We fight for what matters and we leave everything else out. Um, we, we fight for, for love and sacrifice for one another in a posture of humility always. When humility means I could be wrong, um, right? And when we do these things, like relationships start to form. Like that's just what's going to happen. But if I just want to get to the end, that you know, kind of microwave mentality – Microwave mentality. I like that phrase. Like the uh, the thirty second popcorn pop. <laughs> uh, young relationship by Young Thug. Uh, just started playing in my pocket. That's hilarious. Isn't that weird. <laughs> I don't even have Siri turned on on my phone. So like, <laughs> that's so weird. Know. So Dude. the weird thing is, is like uh, we work at my a coworker's house once a week, and every time I go in there, I say, "Hey Alexa." Uh, Sorry if I just turn on your Lex and you're listening to this out loud. Hey, Amazon person, um, play play gangster rap. <laughs> she starts rocking some gangster rap for us. I wonder if that's like part of that. So weird, so weird. Um, I don't know where we're going with all that, but in reality, is is those two relationships, your community. So don't oh the microwave mentality. Don't jump into like don't think that like you're gonna have this deep meaningful relationship in a heartbeat. Because deep, meaningful relationships, what? They develop over time. They don't happen in a moment's notice. Like your relationship with your wife as a newlywed is completely different from a level of intimacy, trust, faithfulness than you are at 50 plus years, right? Like there's that, there's that thing. It's like a great wine, right? Like it, or a great bourbon. Over time, this age and like you get to f- pull out the the the, the beauty of uh, of the relationship. Like that's how good healthy relationship happens. Is it's going to take time. Um, don't necessarily go in pursuing it. Pursue community. Pursue friendships, relationships. And over time, if you value the same values, you talk about those values in terms of Jesus and um, you living this life for Him and this Jesus life. Uh, like those things are going to start to come out and you start to have those conversations. Like, yes, from a life group, small group perspective, I've never been in a group where I thought it was helpful to my walk with Jesus, but I've been in plenty of relationships and plenty of friendships and plenty of groups of three guys or, or groups of smaller people where I grew leaps and bounds in my understanding, my trust, my love for Jesus and for those around me because of those people and them speaking into my life. Right, like that—that's what true community really looks like. Can we get to the root of that? Um, so these are the types of things that were constantly happening, and I think it's organic. I don't think, unfortunately, we can put a like if you do these six steps, you're going to have great community. I wish it was that easy. Um, I think there's values that you can say have these six values, but those values develop over time, and um, those values aren't truly lived out until you've lived them over time, and um, like it's all that piece of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's good and bad, right? Because there's no simple framework. But 
But if you try to agree on values or, or set your values, if you don't have community right now, try to set what your values are, try to make them reasonable and things that line up with what Jesus was about and go from there and just, and try, you know, just show up, just invite people over, just try, you know, like I, I'll just, one of my kind of closing, closing thought for me is that, um, I'm always shocked at how many people show up when I just invite people over for a meal or or for a game night or anything just simple. I'm always surprised that, you know, 80% showed up, you know, I invited six people and 90% showed up, whatever the numbers are. Like, it's always more than I think it will be. And I don't think that's because I'm like this really cool person. I'm not that cool. Um, but I think people are just wanting an invitation. So if you're a leader, if you're a natural leader of people, just invite people Even over. Even if you're not. Even if invite you're people not, over. Just, just invite people in. Just say like, I have this little backyard. I have this grill. I have this board game that I love to play. I have this. Shoot. Whatever, you used to have man. a coal grill in yeah. a tiny backyard tiny. and you invited 50 people over. Yeah. We'd have parties there all the time, dude. It was a tiny backyard. We have 30 people back there. It's, you know, small space, but we made it work. And it's just like, people are hungry for an invite. They're hungry for a chance to develop community. So just invite them in, just try. Like it's, I don't know. I think in my experience, God always provides the right people and it does take time. But, but if you're willing to try, if you're willing to show up when invited and, and invite people in, you're going to figure out who that community can be in your life. And, and it's going to be nothing but good for you and for them. Everybody needs community. We need wolf packs, you know? And this would be my guess, Andrew. Like when you started inviting people, you didn't really have any limitations necessarily on who you're inviting. You weren't. You started inviting people. You're like, here's the people we know. Or I think, like, here's a group of people. I think might like this group of people. I'm just going to bring them all together and see what happens. Um, right? Like, but so often we start to, like, put all this list together in our head. I'm like, well, I need this kind of person and I need this kind of person. And, oh, I can't invite so-and-so because they're going to come in and just dominate a room. Like, just be open about it. Invite whoever. Let the group, you know, figure out the group. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if you shop at Costco or Sam's Club or one of those places that we – Pretty much all shop at now with a mask buy on. Fifteen, just yeah, with a mask on. Buy a fifteen pack of bratwursts and force yourself to invite people over. Be like, I'm not eating fifteen brats in the next week, so I'm just gonna say, hey guys, do you want to come over? Because I bought a ton of bratwursts. You did like, that once. You won Chipotle. And you invite a bunch of people over to eat the Chipotle. I won a $250 catering party for Chipotle. That's a pretty good win. That was like up to 30 people, I think. And I invited like 15 and we all gorged ourselves. It was awesome. Uh, that was the best. That was a good party. Had more of those parties. Yeah. We could have more of those parties, but you moved on the other side. Yes, of the world. I did. I did. But anyway, man, that's my closing thoughts is just try. People are like desperate for community and you're going to be surprised by how many people show up. They're not all going to be your best friends, but. And you may be surprised of who your friends are. Like, you know, I have friends today that at one point I could not stand. Andrew, you were not one of them just to get that out there. But there's plenty, like there's people that I was like, that I was like, I cannot, I cannot do any more time with this individual. Like this individual rubs me, frustrates me, everything about them. I do not like, and yet we're great friends today. It's just, 
give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. Just a callback. Go check it out. That was the last episode. Sorry. Give it a shot. Don't don't give it a shot because that was a different episode. Well, man, that's kind of that's all I got. It's a few minutes after ten my time. Like, do you have any just killer closing thoughts? I mean, give it a shot was a good episode, so you should check that out too if you haven't and you're listening to this. But you should check that out, and you should check out our next episode. It's going to be amazing and fantastic, and uh, in words of our president, uh, amazing. Um, but we won't tell you what it is, um, not because. Um, we're trying to build anticipation, but because you'll um, find out with us, well, we you'll just don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> we have, we have a list and I don't think we've actually hammered out what we're talking about next week, but Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to us or rated us on whatever platform you're listening on, it's always a huge help to help us out in that way. Gets the word out. Um, our viewership is growing, uh, which is fantastic. We do thank you. Uh, even if you're not sharing it, um, we think you should share it because that would help us out. Um, but hey, we're growing nonetheless, and we do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Hey, we love you guys. We are praying for you guys. Hey, Andrew, as always, it's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for doing it. <laughs>